Many of us remember the commercial tagline, milk, it does a body good. Well, today on News Bites, we'll learn just how good it is. Hi, I'm Steve Ammerman, New York Farm Bureau's Director of Communications, and welcome to News Bites. Okay, I'm gonna be upfront. I love dairy. Cheese is my favorite food. Ice cream gets me through the summer, and I start my morning with a splash of chocolate milk in my coffee. Yes, you should try that. Get like a quick shot of mocha to get your morning going. It's hard to beat. <laughs> so good. So in other words, I might be a little biased about just how good dairy can taste. But you know what? It can also be good for you. In fact, athletes are using chocolate milk more and more to recover following a big workout. And today, we're going to dive into that with Abigail Copenhaver. Abby, as pretty much everybody calls her, is a registered dietitian who can speak to the hard facts about milk nutrition. But she's also a dairy farmer, so she has a good understanding of what it truly takes to get milk, yogurt, and all the other good stuff to your table. Here's Abby. Hi, Abby. It's so great to talk to you today. We're very excited to delve into the topic of dairy nutrition, dairy farming in particular. It is June Dairy Month, and I know dairy has a special place in your heart for many reasons. You grew up on a dairy. You are a dairy farmer. Talk about why dairy is so special to you. Yeah, thanks for having me today. I always get excited when I can talk all things dairy. So yeah, so for me, dairy really, I had found a way to let it intersect in all areas of my life because I am so passionate about it. And if you're passionate enough about something, you can find ways to have it creep into your hobbies, your profession, your family life, as most dairy families know. So I grew up on a dairy farm that's still operating today. And my dad actually always grew up. It's funny because they joke that farmers, dairy farmers are dairy farmers because they enjoy the cows more than they do people. And I actually had the opposite experience where my dad is a huge people person. So when I met my husband and we started farming together and I was like, let's have tours and let's invite everybody. And he was kind of like, whoa, hold the phone. <laughs> so I enjoy dairy so much. And the way that it's special to me is I like sharing it with people. So growing up, my dad was a huge, well, both my parents, but my dad being more the extrovert, loved to get involved in the community. He was a huge Farm Bureau member growing up. And we pretty much any opportunity we have to have people on the farm or integrate our farm in any type of you know, event going on in the community, we did all those things. So I've kind of really carried that into my life as an adult and as my role in the dairy industry. And that's really how I was able to take my role as a dietitian and create my business where I do a lot of agricultural uh, expertise incorporated with my dairy farming and RD role. So your, your company is Farmstead Nutrition and Consulting. So really, what is the mission there of the work you do? Yeah, so actually, when I went to dietetic school to finish all my requirements, I met with my advisor and I, I told her that, you know, the reason I wanted to become a dietitian is because when I was a dairy princess, and now it's called, the role was called the dairy ambassador, but at the time it was dairy princess, I met a dietitian that was doing a news segment on how hot chocolate made with milk in the wintertime can help people get more vitamin D in the winter in the Northeast. And it, it just captivated me, the fact that you could go and talk to people about dairy foods as a job 
And so I told her, I was like, yeah, I think that's kind of what I want to do. I want to talk about agriculture and basically create like this realm where we can close the gap between food production and consumer because most people are several degrees removed from their food source. And she she was very nice about it, but kind of was like, ah, there's not a lot of companies out there that do that. So I'm like, I'll make my own company. So that's kind of what I do. I do do some one-on-one consulting, but a lot of it is working with different agricultural companies, organizations, even some dietetic organizations, trying to educate health professionals about food production because even RDs don't have that really strong, solid background of what happens on a farm to produce food. And they're getting all those questions from consumers as well. So really trying to provide that education for wherever we can get it, whether it's physicians or RDs or just different family groups, young people, college athletes, wherever. So my range of involvement and what my business might be working on, whether it's a news segment, social media content, different trips, or even I I teach college students as a part of a two-year nutrition program kind of all over the place, but I love it that it's like that because every day is different. So. Well, and that's what I I love about this. While you are innately a dairy farmer and you love dairy and you've been around it all your life, you still come from this from a science background and a health perspective where facts lead the way. And dairy does provide so many benefits to a healthy diet. Um, What are the benefits that that you like to talk about or or maybe some that, that people may not know about? Yeah. So the big thing I always like to talk about, and sometimes it's hard because when I, when I have a dairy farmer hat on, it's very, comes kind of from a bias angle. Like how could you not love dairy? There's, you know, it's, I trust the farmers that produce it. It's a nutritious product. But like you said, a lot of people want that science side with the emotional side. So when I talk to people about it from a dietitian perspective, I always start with, you know, as a dietitian, ethically, I have to have my patient's best interest in mind, not the farmer's best interest in mind. So when I talk to them about all the health benefits and the research that they go over, where we talk about how, you know, milk and health actually reduce the instance of obesity and cardiovascular disease, that's all based off of research, not just, you know, my opinion as a farmer, milk being amazing, <laughs> even though I do it. It is. <laughs> so... Well, and, and there is a lot of research going on in this field. And I mean, even the American Heart Association, you know, they say low-fat milk is great for a heart-healthy diet. You know, there are so many people, even outside of dairy farming, who, who believe in the nutritional value of what milk can provide athletes. We're seeing more and more athletes use it after a tough workout to, to rebuild yeah. muscle strength. And I mean, are, are those some of the kind of, things that you talk about as well, you know, specifically on, on the nutrition side. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely a believer in, you know, practicing what you preach. So I also dabble in the, I guess, triathlon world. So my siblings and I do, you know, Ironman brand races. So they're pretty far distances. So we love the opportunity of packing our own chocolate milk and making sure we get plenty of content when we finish the line to drink our chocolate milk because a lot of people don't realize that, you know, you're starting with this 13 essential nutrients and, you know, milk. And then when you're able to add that chocolate component, it actually makes the carb to protein ratio, the perfect ratio. It's usually a three to one or four to one for muscle repair, rebuild and refuel. So that these athletes who are 
much doing back-to-back workouts and they're always pushing their bodies, they really don't have any time to have missed opportunity for recovery. So being able to get that chocolate milk in in that, you know, 20 to 30, 40 little bit window after their hard workouts can really help them, you know, jumpstart that recovery process. And even even the same, I would say the biggest realm that I love to talk about, because it's not, it's kind of the unsung hero of milk and health is with the first thousand days of life. So there's a lot of research coming out because the USDA dietary guidelines for the very first time included the infant and lactating and pregnancy and infants under two in their recommendations. So there's a huge movement now, and I'm hoping that it you know, gains traction because it talks about how much brain development happens in those early years from when they, you know, from conception through the first two years of life and how much mom's body changes through pregnancy and, and breastfeeding and how milk can be really a key component to meeting all those nutrient needs, whether it's growth or the changing demands of motherhood. So that's one that I, I've seen a lot of research and I'm hoping to continue to see a lot of research getting out there through an educational standpoint to families so that they know that milk can really be your best friend at home. <laughs> Well, even if you're lactose intolerant, you know, processing has changed to allow for products out there for people to still get the nutritional value of dairy, but also not get the lactose, correct? Yep. Yeah. It's crazy to see, even since I finished college, the amount of product development that has really taken off in the dairy sector, there's pretty much, I mean, the sky's the limit, right? So I'm sure we'll still see even more and more cool innovation. But lactose intolerance is a perfect example. First off, I always tell people to make sure I clarify. I'm like, because sometimes people use allergy and intolerance interchangeably. So you kind of have to deep dive a little bit into, you know, what does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. And um, if it is a true lactose intolerance, whether it's firsthand experience with different symptoms or actually being diagnosed by a doctor, then you can kind of go into the options, which firsthand you can, you know, do some generalized education. But I usually tell people that, you know, they should always work with, you know, a dietitian or their doctor specifically because you don't want to send someone off and be like, well, I see you. But there are plenty of options and dairy is so convenient and such a great nutritional source. You wouldn't want somebody to miss out on that. So they can always, cheese, actually hard cheeses are just the way that they're made are usually 98 to 99% lactose free because that bacteria uses lactose to grow and age those cheese. So the longer it's aged, typically the less lactose that's in there. And then also, like you mentioned with the new milk products, we're able to use filtration to control the different components of milk. And a lot of your lactose free milks, basically all they do to get super sciencey on you is lactose is a disaccharide. So that means it's two molecules bonded together. So if they are able to put an enzyme in there to split the molecule, then it's already broken into a just a single disaccharide. So then your belly doesn't have to digest it. And that's where it's usually a problem for people. So the great part about that is they're not even really taking any nutrition out of the milk. They're just doing a step for you to help your body out. And it actually tends to be sweeter than the, the two molecule form of it. So I get questions like, do they add sugar to lactose-free milk? And I'm like, no, it's just when they split the molecule, it's just sweeter 
than when it's, you know, a full lactose molecule. So people always find that interesting. So if that's ever a Jeopardy question, you <laughs> should get the answer. I am on. I like super science because then I learned something. That's really yeah. brought that up. And, I, you know, it, it really comes down to the fact that, you know, you feed your own family milk and dairy products. And obviously you want the best for your family as well, just like you want the best for your patients and or, or the people that you work with. And, you know, I think that that just says a lot that you're, you're feeding your family what would produce and, and you know the, the, the value that it has. Yeah, for sure. I grew up in a big family. So, of course, we always had milk, you know, at the table and all that. And it's something that I don't feel like I ever took for granted, but I have a whole new level of appreciation for it now that I'm a mom of two. Just the ability to have the convenience of dairy, uh, being able to, you know, put a meal together and know that it's, you know, nutritionally adequate, the different flexibility and versatility. You don't feel like you don't, you can have dairy in every meal and not feel like you're having the same meal because of all the options you have. And it's super easy to use in a, you know, you don't have to be a super chef to be able to sneak it in there and have it throughout your day. So well, I love how butter is really made to come back, you know, in cooking and, <laughs> and all, which is great. And, you know, I'm a yeah. big butter. <laughs> well, we are. I, I, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I joke that I'm like, I feel like butter's like the little black dress of dairy products because it's just never, it never goes out of style. It always has, the, you can dress it up or dress it down and it just, it always works. <laughs> well, we are into dairy much. Is there anything you're celebrating most about dairy farming, you know, on your farm? Yeah, no, I always, I I always try to celebrate dairy all year long, obviously, Point. but National Dairy Month is kind of the mecca for us, right? So. We definitely, so I actually work with American Dairy Association Northeast as one of their producer influencers. So we usually throughout, you know, National Dairy Month, try to focus all of our media content around that and promoting that. And of course, with it being towards the end of the school year, we're doing farm tours and, you know, any opportunity we, we can get to get out there and do the word. And then we also have our, you know, as triathletes and we're training any races we have, we have our full on undeniably dairy Rucho and chocolate milk gear that we're sporting and training in. So it's definitely something that we try to sneak in whenever we can. <laughs> hey, sneak in chocolate milk. Yeah, it's a good thing. You know, well, you mentioned farm tours and I've been fortunate enough to, to visit a lot of dairy farms and see all different kinds of farms, different ways of, of doing things, different production methods different breeds of cows, dairy cows. But one thing that they all talk is they're always looking for ways to continuously improve, to find new ways to, to do things better. How has your farm done that? And, and what are you looking, whether it's, you know, on the environmental side or the animal care side, how has your farm taken, you know, a hold of that and, and looking to, to do better and, and continuously improve? Yeah, no, I, it's always a great point to bring up, especially with consumers, because not a lot of them realize that, you know, farmers went from feeding, you know, one farmer feeding 16 or 19 people back in the 30s to now currently feeding to like 160 people for a farmer. And, you know, only one to two percent of the population is feeding 100 percent of the population. And on top of all that, we're being asked to produce it with a smaller carbon footprint. And oh, by the way, the you know global population is going to be close to 10 billion by, you know, mm -hmm. 2050. So we have to not only provide 
food, but adequate nutrition. So I always tell people you want to talk pounds of nutrition, not pounds of food. So that's another great opportunity for dairy, right? Because it's not just calories. It's, it's 13 essential nutrients type calories. So it's adequate. So on, but we still have to, you know, be respectful stewards of our environment. So like with most farms, you know, we participate through our co-op in the farm program. So we do work closely with them. And there's also different programs where you can get grants for, you know, improved employee housing, different facility upgrades, different grants for barn designs. And a lot of people don't realize, yes, maybe you're doing that to, you know, get a little bit bigger, but because it's a newer facility, you're able to incorporate different resource conserving methods. You're able to provide, you know, more up-to-date research on different facility designs, which, you know, in turn, if your cows are more comfortable, they could have longer length, you know, longevity, which means, you know, when you're raising a heifer for two years and putting, you know, resources into her, if you have a longer milk life, in turn, you're using less cows to produce more milk, which reduces your carbon footprint, stuff like that. A lot of what we do too with land and manure is we do a lot of crop sharing with a lot of our farms to make sure that we just have you know, when you have more acreage to pull from, you have more opportunities to rotate fields more, different, you know, different crops. We have a lot of produce farmers in our area that like to do rotations, only so many fields, you know, for different produce and things. And then we also try to do just different varieties like black beans and soybeans. We actually work with our business setup is very unique. I call it a very millennial style setup because it's not your, it's not your typical three, you know, three generation farm. As I mentioned before, my parents still farm on, on the farm I grew up on, but we actually have two dairies and we farm with four different families. So the one dairy, my husband is a partner in with two other, two other partners. And then the other dairy, we have a partner and he is also runs our crops for both dairies. So it's a little bit unique in that way, but it works for us really, really well. So that provides us more leverage again from the land stewardship point of view to be able to rotate crops and just work with our crop consultant team to, you know, plant crops according to the soil and, you know, what we need that year as far as volume of feed and what seed we need to make sure we're, you know, another thing I explain to consumers is that, you know, seed technology can really allow us to reduce our carbon footprint because if we're able to be more cost effective and there's less shrink from growing to feeding the cow, that is reducing carbon footprint. So just little things like that, that they don't realize. And then just the uniqueness of our land, we uh, don't get a lot of great drainage. So we do a lot of tiling to improve our, our, the quality of our fields to be able to, you know, to get better crop yields and things like that. So not too fancy, but at my parents' farm, they're, you know, doing methane digester and, you know, my sisters, we have different facets of it because my, my sister's husband, he actually works for Natural Upcycling, which is a company kind of associated with a dairy farm where they take food waste that eventually goes into a methane digester. So it depends on which family member you're talking to as far as what part of dairy farming's journey and how, you know, sustainability and upcycling looks. But, but <laughs> from that's their, the from their point of view. You know, every farm is different and methane digesters, which essentially takes methane and converts it into right. energy that can be used, whether it's powering the farm, go back to the grid, 
you know, cycle um, turning manure into bedding. There's so many other advantages that come with what's in like a digester, but it's all part of the big picture of conservation and stewardship and technology that's really moving our farms forward. And yeah, every farm has, has a different story. And that, you know, yeah, you and your farm have, have a great one. You know, we'll, we'll wrap things up with maybe a, a decent question for a, a dairy farmer and a dietitian. Do you have a favorite dairy food? Like what's your, oh, what's your OG yes. product? Yes, hands down. It's chocolate milk. I'll actually give you a little tidbit. So when I had my kids, I had a doula, a birthing doula, and I had a birthing plan. And my doula was like, this is the very first time and maybe possibly the only time I've ever had a client put at the bottom of her birth plan that she wants chocolate milk for her post delivery. And so the nurses also made a comment when I went in to have my daughter. And so sure enough, after I had my daughter, I, that was the first thing I asked for. And they had my, my doula even had it in my little fridge. She's like, well, I wasn't sure if you, if you went into labor in the middle of the night I, and the kitchen was closed, I want to make sure you had it. So I have a picture of me post-delivery with my chocolate milk in hand. Yeah. <laughs> and was that the best glass of chocolate milk you'd ever had? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Very, very satisfying. That hits the spot, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, Abby, I really appreciate taking the time, especially as you're traveling and finding a quiet spot to do this because it is an important conversation. Like you said, not just this month, but, but year round to, to talk about the nutritional value of dairy and celebrate it. So thanks so much and safe travels to you. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. And don't forget everybody celebrate with your favorite way to consume dairy. Abby is a great resource, but if you want to learn more about health and wellness of dairy, just go to americandairy.com. That's the home of the American Dairy Association Northeast. And as we wrap up today, let's all take some time to raise a glass of milk during June Dairy Month for all that the dairy farms do for us. And finally, if you like this podcast, please give us a positive review wherever you listen to it and share so more people can learn about New York agriculture. I'd also like to thank Seth Moser Katz for editing today's edition of News Bites. And you can also download previous episodes to check out what's happening in the world of ag. So until next time, please thank a farmer for all that they do.